Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher. Here in New York City, uh, happy to be bringing you another episode. Uh, this will be a solo episode. I'm sorry uh, for those who are longing to hear me speak to another human being. You may have to wait another week or two. Uh, I do have some potential guests lined up, people that have expressed an interest, but the scheduling has just been basically impossible. So it's just you and me again this week. Before I get into strategy, a couple of things that I'm excited about I wanted to mention. First of all, if you will happen to be in the Las Vegas, Nevada area the week of the Super Bowl, I will be appearing at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club at the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino right there on the Las Vegas Strip, January 27th through February Second, so come on out. That does include the actual day of the Super Bowl itself. Always fun to be in Vegas on Super Bowl week. All the hype, all the props, all the bets. I mean, I, as you guys know, I dabble in sports betting. I'm far from a professional at that, as anyone who followed my uh, MLB over to, <laughs> over under with David Tuckman last year knows. Uh, I, I don't make my living from that, but I might have to uh, dabble a little bit in the uh, in the prop action there during Super Bowl week just to uh, have a little fun and watch the game before the show. Uh, the show time is 8 p.m. I would love it if some of you who might live in Las Vegas or plan to be there uh, that week of the Super Bowl, come on out to Brad Garrett's Comedy Club at the MGM Grand. And if you do, please come say hi after the show and let me know that you are a podcast listener. I always love meeting people who have listened to my voice a lot, but I've never actually even heard theirs. So let's even the score. Come on out and do that. I'm excited about that. I'm also excited to be going to Vegas a few days early with the intention of participating in something called the Wind Signature Series. I think it should be a lot of fun, a lot of uh, really good tournaments around that time with good guarantees and as most of you know, I am a huge fan of the Win Poker Room and the staff there. So I'm looking forward to playing some tournaments there. And that means in February, we will have some podcast episodes with hands that I actually play in one or more of those tournaments. I expect to play the uh, $400 Monster. Well, I don't even think they call it that. Just a, It's just a basic No Limit Hold'em tournament with some kind of guarantee, maybe 100000 with two starting days. And then I think the main event there is uh, 1100 And I am able to play in that as well because it wraps up the day before my gig at Brad Garrett's gets started. So I'm excited for all that. I'm trying to take care of as many things uh, in New York as I can before I head out to Vegas to play in those tournaments and then 
I guess my mood on stage at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club will uh, hopefully not be too affected by the results of those tournaments. <laughs> of course, I'm kidding. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that whether I win or lose, I always uh, try to keep a smile on my face and keep a positive attitude. And that brings me to a topic that I wanted to address. I've been talking to some uh, TPE members uh, about a couple of different things. And one thing that I think is very important, and I don't want to be preachy about this, but I just think it's important, guys. You need to have a work-life balance. So if you are an accountant, of course, you're going to be very busy in March and April as everyone's trying to beat the tax day deadline. But I think the rest of the year you should, you know, make sure you're not working 80-hour weeks all the time. No one is on his deathbed saying, you know, I wish I had put in more hours at the office. So it's very important that we have a work-life balance. Now, for me, I'm kind of lucky because when I'm not playing poker, I'm usually doing some comedy or something at least comedy-related. And that kind of gives me a balance in my two different interesting jobs. I feel like I always have a balance because I'm not concentrating too much on one or the other. And then, of course, I also have my social life and my family life and all of that stuff that's very important as well. So if you are one of these obsessive types who can watch 100 hours a week of TPE videos stay up all night watching Poker Go and basically think, breathe, drink, sleep, poker all day, every day, uh, I want to let you know, I think that's a mistake and you are just destined for a burnout, okay? We're not machines. I know we all want to get better and I know that uh, most of us take the game very seriously. I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you at least take the game somewhat seriously, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but I'm just saying it's very important to find a balance in your life. Uh, if you have trouble making friends, I have some suggestions. Maybe you could join a league. Uh, I've made a lot of friends playing in the Central Park Softball League. It's Monday afternoons. Uh, there are a lot of entertainers. I've met and played with people like Matthew Broderick, Amy Schumer, uh, and that kind of makes uh, makes life interesting on the softball field. But even just the non-celebrities that are involved, they're just fun people to hang out with because anyone who's spending a Monday afternoon in Central Park uh, hitting a softball around is a person that doesn't take life too seriously and understands the importance of a work-life balance. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't people in that league who take the league too seriously and maybe take everything in life too seriously, but at least they're somewhat on the right track of having recreation. So take up another, another hobby, uh, something else to do that will keep you from getting too burnt out on poker. You don't want to live and die by your poker results if you can help it. So that's one piece of advice. And then I'm sure you've heard this in a million different ways and in a million different places. But physical activity is super important. So whether you're playing Central Park softball or you sign up for tennis lessons or just join a gym, I think it's super important to keep your body healthy. There's a strong connection between your body and your mind. So you wanna make sure you have all those things aligned 
and that means taking care of yourself, and you're not going to learn everything there is to know about poker in one day, so don't try. We all have goals, especially in January, and you know that's admirable. You have things that you want to improve on in poker. That's great, but don't forget to take care of yourself too. Eat well, get rest, get exercise, and speak to other human beings. Very important, as I stand here talking to my podcast equipment in a room by myself, <laughs> telling you guys to speak to other human beings. But you know what? I do feel the love. I feel there's a connection uh, among us, the TPE members and others who listen to the podcast and me. And it, it shows up on Twitter, at Clayton Comic, if you want to tweet me. Uh, it's great to hear from people, whether you are a longtime listener and someone that tweets a lot, or if it's going to be your first time just saying, hey, I found your podcast, I enjoy what you're doing. Or even if you don't enjoy what I'm doing and you want to give me some suggestions, I love interacting with all of you. So if you can't make it to the comedy show uh, the last week of January, great, no problem. At least send me a tweet and let me know what you think of what we're doing here on the podcast. So those are uh, kind of my thoughts on that subject. And without further ado, I want to talk about Another hand from the 2019 World Series of Poker main event. This hand comes from day six. So we're kind of going chronologically. I think last time we talked, uh, we reviewed a hand from day five. It may have been from early on day six, but I think it was day five. Anyway, this is definitely from day six. Kind of middle of the day. The blinds are 50,000 and 100,000. And there are about 100 players remaining in the tournament. The payout right now is in the $100,000 range, maybe a little less. And a really interesting spot comes up with two excellent players. So the action to start the hand folds all the way to the button. A Brazilian amateur named Marcelo or Marcelo Kudos uh, has pocket fours on the button, blinds 50 and 100,000 with uh, 100,000 big blind ante. And with about 8 million behind, Kudos opens to 220,000, just a little bit higher than two times the big blind, which I have no problem with that. A pocket pair on the button uh, with two excellent players in the blinds, Sam Greenwood in the small blind and Dario Sammartino in the big blind. Uh, I'm fine with this open and I have no problem with the sizing. Players are pretty deep. If you look at it, there's 250,000 already in the pot, but these guys have seven, eight, nine million in chips. So uh, we're not trying to raise and then shove all in. That would be just a ridiculous over bet. So we're playing deep stack poker late in the main event with less than 100 players remaining. And uh, by the way, this guy, Kudos, somewhat competent. He knows what he's doing. But I really want to give a shout out to the broadcast team on uh, this table, which was the usual suspects, Lon McCarran and Norman Chad, and my friend, Jamie Kerstetter. And 
Among the three of them, I think there were maybe two or three kudos jokes. And that's really hard to do when someone has a name that is so easy to do a play on words. Uh, it, it could be so annoying to hear them make every possible kudos to him for, for this or that. So it's really nice how they uh, avoided falling into the trap of just overdoing the uh, kudos to kudos. So good for them on that. Anyway, getting back to the hand, kudos opens to 220. And now Sam Greenwood in the small blind with almost 7 million in chips uh, just calls for 170,000 more from the small blind with pocket sevens. Now, to me, this is a pretty interesting play by Sam Greenwood. For many of us, including many of our TPE coaches, kind of the standard advice is that you don't want to be flatting from the small blind very much, if at all. For some players that I know, they're just, especially at this stack depth, there is no flatting at all, none whatsoever. So it's either raise or fold. Uh, but here's, you know, obviously one of the world's best players, Sam Greenwood, makes a decision to flat. And I think his hand seems face up. And I hate to say that about someone who's, you know, so good at poker and so, you know, accomplished and everything. But it seems to me like if he had a hand like ace-jack or ace-queen, ace-king, he would be three-betting all day. Uh, and if he had a hand like 7-5 suited, he would fold all day. And if he had a hand like pocket nines, tens, jacks, all the way up to aces, he would be three betting all day. So that leaves kind of the smaller pocket pairs, probably everything from sevens down, maybe eights. Eights could go either way. It just feels like he's playing his hand relatively face up. Uh, what other hands would he flat in this spot? I don't know. I mean, of course, Sam Greenwood is better at poker than I am, and it's possible that he would occasionally flat with some of those stronger hands that I mentioned a little while ago. But if I had been at the table and I saw the small blind just flat call, I would probably put him on exactly what he has, like a medium-strength pocket pair. I think many players would even be three-betting there are stronger suited connectors like your 8-7 suited, your 9-8 suited. Uh, possibly make this type of call with like a jack-10 suited. But again, I feel like most of us are three betting or folding with those hands. So I found this uh, an interesting decision by Sam Greenwood to make the call. And then Dario Sammartino, who recently doubled up, by the way, and now has just over six million chips with the ace of diamonds, five of spades. So ace five off suit. San Martino decides to call and see a flop with ace five off. I think it's defensible. Um, in a sense, Greenwood priced him in and it feels like because he's getting such an attractive price, better than six to one on a call, and he does have an ace, 
It's just such a trap hand, the ace-five offsuit. You need to be careful with a hand like this. But he does call, and that's fine. And we see a flop. It comes king of diamonds, ten of clubs, seven of hearts. King, ten, seven, rainbow. So kudos on the button has the underpair. San Martino missed completely. And Sam Greenwood flops uh, bottom set, three sevens. And Greenwood, of course, in the small blind first to act. I think he makes the standard play here and just checks it over. Um, I would sometimes lead out here. I know I've been talking for months now about trying to find uh, more of a leading range on flops when I'm out of position. Uh, donk betting, as we call it. So this is when you bet from out of position into the pre-flop raiser. Uh, I think it's even better to do it here with two opponents than it would be had we ended up uh, in a heads-up pot. You know, you flop bottom set. You you can really disguise the strength of your hand with a lead. I mean, if we go for the check raise here, it might be pretty hard to get action. But uh, Greenwood could pretty much go bet, bet, bet on this board and... Expect to get action from strong hands like ace-king, pocket aces, uh, even draws like queen-jack, 9-8. Uh, Both of those are open-ended. And I just think that with two Broadway cards on the flop, the chance that someone is going to be willing to play with me is greatly increased. Uh, people like to play big cards. I mean, I think we can get action from ace-jack, ace-queen, obviously any hand that has a king or a 10 in it, um, and then the draws that I mentioned. Now, I would balance my leading range here by making sure I also sometimes lead with queen-jack, 9-8, uh, and possibly even other pocket pairs, such as pocket-8s, or maybe even pocket fives. Um, I don't know how much Queen Jack or 9-8 Greenwood actually has in his range, but those are the types of hands I said might have flat called from the small blind before. And so I don't think that leading out will automatically alert our opponents to the fact that I, I have to have a set. So you want to balance with some bluffs, and I think that I would prefer... Uh, to have those open-enders so that we're, in fact, semi-bluffing. But, obviously, checking is fine, and most of us uh, do check over to the razor in all situations. But as the computers are learning to beat each other at Nolan Hold'em tournaments, one thing they, that they are teaching us is that we should all try to find more lead-outs and donk leads, and I think this is a good spot for one because of the large number of draws, open-enders, and gut shots that are available on the board. So Greenwood checks, and so do Dario and Marcello. So we go to a turn with the same 760,000 still in the pot. Remember, the shortest stack of the, at, in the hand is 6 million, so we're not in any danger of commitment here at all. 
and the ace of clubs hits on the turn. So now our board is king, ten, seven, ace with two clubs. At this point, I think Greenwood needs to go for value. Uh, since he didn't lead on the flop, it's time to go ahead and bet out on the turn. And he chooses an interesting sizing, 250000 into the 760000 pot. This feels a little small to me. Um, I guess one reason to go small is because he's concerned that he won't be able to get action unless someone has an ace. But I believe that hands like 10-jack... King Jack, Queen 10, like all of these hands now have a pair and a gut shot. And in the modern age of poker, people are calling with these hands. You know, they'll, they'll look at it this way. There's a chance that my hand is still good, but there's also the possibility that I can suck out. So when you have a pair and a gut shot, you have as many as what, six or as many as nine outs. In certain situations, uh, and that doesn't include flush draws that you also picked up. So uh, I find that many times people do make ambitious calls with hands like those. So therefore, I think a, a larger bet helps to build a pot when we are still probably ahead. Now, perhaps Greenwood is concerned that someone has Queen Jack. But I can't imagine that if either of these players held Queen Jack, he wouldn't have bet the flop when checked to. Therefore, I wouldn't worry about running into the nuts here. And even still, if someone did happen to slow play Queen Jack on the flop and choose not to semi-bluff with it, we still have 10 outs to beat that hand with our set of sevens. So I don't think Greenwood should be too scared of much, and he should bet a little bit bigger here. Uh, but as it stands, he bets 250. And Dario, who has now turned a pair of aces, remember Dario holding ace five offsuit, now picks up a pair of aces here on the turn. And then Marcello Kudos folds his hand and leaves us heads up to the river. Now, I want to talk about this call by Dario. Well, obviously, if you finally make top pair, here on the turn and your guy only puts in a third of the pot offering you four to one on a call you can't very well fold ace five yet uh, but you know I always think back to one of the best books I've ever read about No Limit Hold'em now it's not a tournament book per se it's kind of written just it's a theory book it's actually called No Limit Hold'em Theory and Practice and it's written by Ed Miller, who to me is uh, one of the best, if not the best, uh, poker authors. And then David Sklansky, who, at least from a theoretical standpoint, is about as mathematically solid as you can possibly get. Now, in this book, they introduce something called the Sklansky-Chubikoff number for any two cards. And what this number tells you is basically the same thing that... Snapshove tells you it says that shoving with this hand and this number of big blinds in the middle is never a mistake. So it doesn't always tell you the best play, but it tells you that it's not a mistake 
to, to make certain plays against certain opponents with certain hands at certain depths. So for those of you who uh, study uh, push-fold charts and think that that's a new thing, this book was written in probably 2006. So the idea of pushing, and fold, pushing or folding is uh, not exactly a new concept in tournament poker, at least among those of us who have been reading all of the poker literature that's come out for the last 20 years. Anyway, um, that's a bit of a digression because what I really wanted to mention is in that same book, No Limit Hold'em, Theory and Practice, Sklansky talks about the importance of not getting too excited when one makes one pair on the turn. So kind of general advice here, but often, especially with a hand like ace-five, when you make a pair of aces on the turn, you will be behind. So even though we have top pair, it's possible that someone else flopped a pair and didn't want to bet it. Say somebody at the table has ace-7, for example, maybe not wanting to bet into two opponents with the king and the 10 out there, and now this player has two pair. So kind of the general advice for a wide range of reasons is that when we turn one pair, we shouldn't just insta-fold, but that we should be a little bit more cautious than when we flop a pair. So that's something I've always kept in mind. I learned it from that book, and I think it's made me a lot of money over the years, so I wanted to share uh, that advice with all of you. And I wish that I could have shared it with Dario Sammartino <laughs> in this hand as he uh, makes the call here. And now, with 1.3 million in the pot and less than 6 million in Sammartino's stack, we see a river, and it comes... The three of diamonds for a final board of king, ten, seven, ace, tray with no flush. And with 1.3 million in the middle, Greenwood decides to bet 1.9 million into 1.3 or about 1.4 times the pot. So this is an overbet. Uh, you know, having bet very small on the turn and gotten called. Now, Greenwood is trying to make up for that by overbetting here, trying to recapture the value he didn't take on the flop or the turn. Uh, I really like this play. It really shows that Greenwood knows exactly where he's at in terms of being concerned about the nuts. You know, Queen Jack is a possibility. But I think what happens is you bet 250 into 760 on the turn and you did not get raised. I think those really small bets tend to get raised when someone has the nuts and possibly Greenwood. That may have factored into his thinking as he tried to logically assess what kind of hand Dario called with on the turn. Dario could have raised on the turn when the flush draw came in. At least, you know, there, there became one, I should say. Uh, there were two clubs on the board on the turn. And 
Greenwood bet out and Dario just called. I think most of us holding a straight would have raised there. But more importantly, you know, Greenwood has to know there's a non-zero chance that Dario has the straight. But more importantly, there's a great chance that my three sevens are good and that Dario has something like two pair, maybe aces and threes, aces and tens, kings and tens, all of these two pair hands. It feels like that's what we are targeting here on the river with this big overbet. Now, obviously, Sam Greenwood, a world-class player, very capable of overbetting as a bluff. But let's ask ourselves, what bluffs does he have? I mean, first of all, he led into both opponents on the turn, which to me shows a lot more strength than leading into just one opponent heads up from out of position. So that's one thing that kind of discounts the possibility of a bluff. Uh, Another thing, another factor, is that Greenwood bets so small on the turn I just don't think he would do that with uh, a polarized range, which means by definition that he doesn't have as many bluffs in his mix on the turn. So it's possible that Greenwood picked up a flush draw on the turn, and then because he missed his flush, he's now polarized on the end, which means he's either got a big hand like the one he has, three sevens, queen, jack for a straight, or he missed his flush and has nothing. And the bigger your bets, the more polarized your hand. Now, what I mean by that is that Greenwood probably never has something like king, queen for one pair, or even like ace, queen for one pair here. It's just, this isn't the bet size that he would choose with those hands. He's saying he's got a big hand or he's got nothing. Now, Dario, to make this thin call with just a pair of aces and really no kicker, he's got a five kicker, uh, will need to be right pretty often. It just doesn't seem like a profitable call for him. Perhaps he thought he had a, a read on Greenwood, he does take forever staring him down. And and it's really awkward, too, because the two guys are sitting right next to each other. (laughs) And there's nothing like staring down someone when you're only three or four inches away from him. Um, But that's pretty much what San Martino did here for quite a while. And perhaps he convinced himself that he picked up uh, a nervousness on the part of Greenwood or, you know, As Gabe Kaplan used to say, I think that San Martino just saw something that wasn't there and he actually pays this off and Greenwood rakes in a really nice pot with his set of sevens. So to me, this is just a really bad decision by Dario and and even separating the results. Now, if there is a, a flush draw on the flop and a lot of draws missed, Uh, that's one thing, but you know, some of the draws that, well, at least one of the draws that Greenwood could have had actually did get there, uh, which is the queen Jack. So to me, the more value Greenwood can have 
on the board, in other words, the wetter the board is, the less likely Dario should be to make the call here. I don't think this is a good call. I think it's a, an unprofitable call. Sure, once in a while, you're going to feel like a genius because you pick off a bluff when exactly what Dario's hoping happened is in fact what happened, which would be I picked up a flush draw on the turn and fired out, and then because I missed my flush, I had to overbet to try to take down the pot uh, and try to push you off of a hand like like the one you have. Ace five. I mean, I think this is the uh, the bluff target when Greenwood misses. He is trying to get Dario to fold a weak ace. Um, so with all that in mind, then the call makes sense. But it just seems like uh, a rather heroic and dangerous decision to make at this stage of the main event. There are some spots at the table where if Dario wants to try to outplay somebody, Sam Greenwood is probably not the one he should try to outplay. Love to hear your thoughts on that as well. So uh, please use the Twitters at Clayton Comic, also at Tournament Poker Edge, where you can tell us your thoughts on this hand and whether you are as opposed to Dario's decision to make this thin hero call as I am. I think it's a big mistake. Anyway, uh, before we get going here, I wanted to also mention that I am spending more time in the uh, TPE forums. So if you are a member of Tournament Poker Edge, we actually have our own little section uh, in the uh, about the site thread or or. I don't know, subcategory of the forums. It's called TPE Podcast. So that's a great place if you don't want to go on Twitter. That's another great place for you to talk about the podcast and let me know what you think of the hands and kind of just generally about the podcast. So we have our very own forum, uh, which is a, a huge part of the Tournament Poker Edge experience. Uh, by the way, if you're not a member of Tournament Poker Edge. I really don't understand what you're waiting for. For as little as $25 a month, you can have access to the forums, such as the one I just mentioned. We have the TPE podcast forum. We have a coaching forum. We have uh, sweat threads. We have the GTO forum, MTT poker strategy, and on and on and on. So many forums, great place to interact with your fellow TPE members. Um, Of course, you also get access to all of our videos from all of our amazing coaches, The Assassinato, uh, Andrew Brokus, Colin Moshman, and so many more amazing coaches. So uh, you should really be taking advantage of that. And like I say, at a cost of only $25 a month with an annual membership, there's really no reason not to give Tournament Poker Edge a try. So for everyone here at TPE, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you all so much for listening. I wanna hold them like they do in Texas plays. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. Oh, wow. Oh, oh.
Yeah. 